Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Giant Take Podcast. It's been a while. It's been over a month. Uh, a lot has happened since the beginning of June. We have traveled the you know we've traveled around Europe. A lot has happened for us, not as much for the Giants, but yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. A lot has happened for us. Um, traveled around Europe, graduated high school, getting ready for college, which is just over a month and a half away. And we are here now. Uh, to record an episode, and it's going to be a fun one. It's a New York Giants 2022 redraft. We did a 2021 redraft around this time last uh, off season, and we decided to bring it back and do it again after a month of not a lot happening with the Giants um, and a lot happening with us, which is, I guess, the two reasons of why we just didn't decide to come on and record. But we're still here. Uh, Josh and Alex back with you for anyone who's returning or new. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I'm excited to be back. It's been a while, like you mentioned, and I'm ready to go talk about the Giants. Obviously, we're still kind of in the dead season here, but uh, with Saquon Barkley, you know, it's not a really dead season because we have that deadline, which comes up on Monday at 4 p.m., uh, whether he's going to sign a deal, uh, a deal as meaning a long-term deal, franchise tag, holdout, you know, whatever many options there possibly are, uh, some that I'm sure we're not aware of. And a lot has been being talked about, right? Some are saying that he wants that $16 million that Christian McCaffrey got. Some are saying he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a new deal. Some are saying he's going to play on the tag. Some are saying he's willing to take, um, you know, close to a 13 or $14 million mark. Uh, and then the most recent, uh, I think most reliable one we got now from Ryan Dunleavy, saying that the Giants' best offer to Saquon Barkley so far has included $19.5 million guaranteed. The guaranteed is really the most important factor here, right? Um, the average per year, yes, it's important, but not as important as the guaranteed money. Can you get out of this deal, say, you know, two years down the road, Saquon Barkley really doesn't look like his old self, uh, and you want to, you know, cut ties. Can you do that with not a lot of dead money? That's the important thing here. Um, so they're at just under $20 million guaranteed. Um, two franchise tags, obviously, in a row would give him just over $22 million. And it, it's been rumored that Saquon Barkley wants more than $22 million, $22 million or more guaranteed on his new deal. So that is the kind of sticking point there. Uh, and then Dunleavy also made a good point. Here are the running back guarantees of late on the latest running back deals. Um, McCaffrey obviously got $36 million guaranteed. Kamara got $34 million guaranteed. Henry got $25 million guaranteed, and Nick Chubb, $20 million guaranteed. So uh, that Saquon offer on the lower end of that spectrum, obviously. So just kind of throwing out all the information here on the situation. Personally, I think they're going to get a deal done. I think they're going to overpay. I would not go over $20 million guaranteed um, for sure. So I like where the Giants are. They have a lot of leverage, obviously, in terms of on-the-field not merchandise and face of the franchise wise, um, but just on the field value position, value of player as a player on the football field uh, type thing. So I think they've got good leverage there. And as long as John Mara and, you know, others in leadership don't get over involved because they see the dollar signs flashing on the merchandise side, I think that's going to be a strong position for the Giants to take. Saquon Barkley's uh, rumored to have switched agents back to CAA. Uh, from Rock Nation, or he's using both now. It's not really exactly clear. 
uh, for those who are interested as well. So it's a very complex situation and only a few days, um, you know, what is it, just over, uh, I guess, 96 hours now uh, till the deadline. And Saquon Barkley obviously is going into these deals <clears throat> feeling that he can hold out depending on what the results are. Uh, and we knew that going in. You know, players do that all the time with their contract situations, whether it's actually they're, they're holding out in the way if they want to be cut or traded or they're holding out in the way that they just want more money and they want a new contract. So Saquon is holding the leverage on his end and saying that, uh, you know, I will, if I don't feel like I'm getting the money I deserve, which I, Alex, I mean, you, you basically covered all of it. But yeah, if, if he doesn't feel like he's getting the money he deserves, he will sign that franchise tag as he has to by that deadline. Um, and not participate in training camp when that starts in just over a week. I think it's on July 26th, the first date, uh, as well as the preseason can fully hold out there, not like they were playing him anyway. Uh, but definitely, you know, the holding out of training camp um, is, is a big one. It's not even the season itself, because in order to be there during the season, you have to be with the guys during training camp. So for him not to be there in the practices that really do matter, uh, in late July and especially early to late August when it, when we go through those preseason times. That's a big deal because Saquon Barkley is going to have to learn the game plan somehow. So if the Giants, you know, play the waiting game just like he does and this contract does not happen on Monday like everyone suspects it to happen and, you know, it, it ends up happening either during the season or right before the season, that's valuable time that he missed whether he's training outside the facilities, that's fine. But it's it's different when you're not with the guys learning the playbook, um, and, and it's not an entirely new or an entirely uh, same old team as last year, right? N it's never the same, and we have a new star uh, on offense right now, and that's the highest paid tenant in the NFL, Darren Waller. And you know, just like that, these guys got to make connections with people that they don't know uh, personally. So. Let's just hope he signs that deal by Monday. I think that's where we should just leave it at. That's what we think, and that's what we hope. Uh, and, I mean, if they overpay, that's just how the NFL and sports goes these days. The market just climbs higher and higher. So, Well, the running back market has been going lower and lower, to be fair. Uh, it's the only position that has been doing so. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Giants not to cave at the end of the day just because of all the outside pressure uh, that's going to be on them. And Saquon Barkley, granted, is just a very important player for this football team, uh, not just off the field, but on the field as well. And I think that's kind of been de-emphasized throughout this entire process, how important Saquon Barkley is and how he single-handedly at times won us games, um, you know, this past season that really turned the season, that, you know, that could have been, you know, kind of more of a what everyone expected to a huge success. Yeah, well, because the Giants, I mean, we know the majority of the time they were running the ball with Saquon Barkley. They were not passing the ball. It wasn't as big of a passing offense uh, as I wouldn't say we have hoped for, but you look at Daniel Jones' stat line and you, you look at those games against the Vikings and it was different um, compared to how many yards he had. Only what, like maybe a couple of games over 300 yards passing, maybe just one or, yeah, I think like probably one or two. Um, but we don't need to reminisce over the 2022 season. But what we, what we can reminisce over is that 2022 draft class. The only other piece of news that I have Giants related um, well, Kadarius Tony isn't even Giants related. That's just a funny topic. It's funny, though. That's just hilarious. Um, you know, I I can understand. I, I don't know if you've been seeing uh, people have been going on both sides of this. They were saying that the guy 
who um, was clapping on him first, who he then sent the voice messages back, is also in the wrong for the way that he kind yeah, of... But here's the thing. He's a fan. He's a fan. There's a different thing. Fans can say whatever the hell they want. That's the beautiful thing. I mean, no, that's not... You know what? Actually, that's not true. You can say whatever you hell you want to an extent, obviously. Um, but in this case, he was just egging him on. I'm not saying exactly what he was doing was right, but as a professional athlete, you are held to a higher standard than a random fan on Twitter. So uh, Brandon London talked about this. I don't know if you saw the tweets about it, Alex, on uh, his, uh, the New York, um, what is it, like the New York Daily podcast or something like that, the New York Daily News podcast. And also this guy, if you look at the the, the, the kid's Twitter um, or the guy's Twitter, I don't know who this person is. Uh, they, their whole Twitter is just clowning stuff. And it, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of like the right word for it. Um, like troll. I think, I think he's just, be just the definition of a Twitter troll. And even after the Kadarius Tony stuff, he's going out to Brandon London. He's like, F you Brandon London. And ev- everyone's saying Brandon London won the battle and roasted him. I don't know. But anyway, there's that. And then there's also, I don't know the exact context, but there, there could be more to it, but from what this, there was two instances, there was that, and the other incident was, there is a girl who, from what it looked like, at least from what she posted on Twitter, had nothing to do with Kadarius Tony, and Kadarius Tony swiped up on one of her pictures of her at the Yankee game, and like, called her ugly, and like, all this stuff, and I was just really confused by the whole situation, there could very well be more, she could have repeatedly been tweeting at him saying at Kadarius Tony, at Kadarius Tony this, at Kadarius Tony that. But from the DM that she showed, it was one DM. It was the picture of her and Kadarius Tony's response to it. And she's like, this just made me laugh out loud. Like, I don't know what this guy is doing. So again, she could just be making it one-sided. I have no idea. The funniest part is after all of this though, the following day when the stuff leaks, Kadarius Tony goes out there and says, my bad Twitter got hacked. After it was clear in the voice memos that it was him talking. Kadarius Tony, we know he's from Alabama, I believe, right? He has that southern accent. He has his own way Florida. of talking. Florida? Well, he went to Florida. I don't know where he's from. Yeah, I think he's from Alabama, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But it doesn't matter. We all know Kadarius Tony. He has that southern, you know, kind of twang, but like that way of talking that you know it's Tony speaking. And in the voice memos, you know it's Tony. So for him to be like, yeah, my Twitter got hacked, guys. <laughs> that was the funniest thing uh, that I could have seen. So we'll see if there's any, you know, suspension. I don't think suspension, but any fines that go towards him. It doesn't matter. He's not a New York Giant anymore. But he still obviously considers himself uh, a Giants hater because he likes to clap with the New York Giants fans and the New York Giants all the time. So it seems like he really still hasn't gotten over New York City or New York in general and the Giants fans. And the last piece of news I have is no more NFL logo at midfield. The New York Giants just unveiled their New York Giants logo uh, at the 50-yard line at MetLife Stadium. I assume the Jets are going to have their logo for Jets games. I don't know how that's going to go. But they they unveiled the New York Giants logo on the New York Giants social medias. So that came out today when we were recording on Thursday. And it looks pretty cool. It looks clean. Um... I don't really have any preference between the NFL logo and the Giants logo. Both are cool. Um, 
Yeah, and that's really it. Alex, do you have anything else before we go to the redraft? Um, I don't think so. Not really. Like I said, I don't really, or like you said, I don't really care. Whatever the logo is in the middle of the field doesn't really matter. It's more about the performance on the field. Uh, as That is very true. So that's, that's what I'll end it with. All right, let's go to the New York Giants 2022 redraft. Uh, the, how do I say this? The rules for this that we have is the redraft. We look at all the players. We know how they did this past season. We're kind of just looking back to see how they did it. It's a a look back to see about their performances and if there are players that the Giants could have picked, you know, knowing now looking back that we're better than that. And the only rules that we have for this is the player has to be after the pick, but within the same round. So like it was round one. next player taken by the Giants too. Exactly, by the Giants. So for example, picks pick five, round one pick five. That was Kayvon Thibodeau originally. Then it was Evan Neal at pick seven. So it would have to be whoever was selected, which I forget. It was, yeah, so it would have to be, if we thought Iggy Aquano would have been a better pick at pick number six, then we put him at five, and now it would be it. Oh, we so can't were... take Charles Cross from pick nine and put him at pick five. We could put him at pick seven, but not pick five, if that makes any sense. Right, exactly. So I want to just quickly run through the actual Giants draft class at this point before we confuse everyone. Uh, round one, pick five, Kayvon Thibodeau. Round one, pick seven, Evan Neal. Round two, pick 43, Wondell Robinson. Round three, pick 67, Josh Azudu. Round three, pick 60, uh, did I just do that? 81. Round three, pick 81, Cordell Flott. Round four, pick 112, Daniel Bellinger. Round four, pick 114, Dane Bellin. Round five, pick 146, Micah McFadden. And then the pick right after that, 147 in the fifth round was DJ Davidson. Uh, pick 173 in round five was Marcus McKeithen. And round six, pick 182 was Darian Beavers. So that's the actual Giants draft class. That's who they drafted. So let's get that out of the way before now we actually go to the redraft. And with this redraft, yes, it's called the redraft. But some of the guys we felt were the right pick for the Giants. And they've worked out so far. And we're going to see what they do in the future. And to the guys who we didn't draft who are on the Giants, there's no, like, you know, shade to them. We're just looking at the best available here. And those guys who are still on the team um, could very well still go on and prove us wrong and show how good they are. But even some players like Darian Beavers was on this list. He didn't even play because he had, you know, the ACL tear, which sucked and ended his season before it could even start or his NFL career, I should say. Um, so we'll see how he bounces back this year. But just want to set out there. One year, right? It's just your rookie year. In three years, we could be doing this redraft again. It'd be completely different. Yeah. But um, I like this tradition that we have now established the last two offseasons, so let's get right into it and start with round one, pick five. Surprise, surprise, it's still defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, the original pick. There was no reason to go otherwise. So far, Kayvon Thibodeau has been pretty good with the New York Giants. He suffered a sprained MCL in week two of the preseason, so his first NFL game, uh, in the regular season at least, wasn't until week three. But started 14 games, picked up five pass deflections, two forced fumbles, four sacks, 49 tackles and six tackles for loss. So we have him in our redraft, staying right where he was at pick five. At round one, pick seven, uh, we stuck with Evan Neal. Obviously, we had the whole first round to pick from. Evan Neal did not have a great rookie season, but you look at the potential that's still there. Uh, You look at the other options, and I just felt uh, that we had to stay pat here with Evan Neal. So both first round picks uh, sticking around. Um, He had 738 snaps during the regular season. Uh, with seven penalties, seven sacks, uh, which was tied for seventh most, and had a 44.1 PFF grade. So 
not the best, certainly. Uh, he started in all 13 games he played. Uh, he missed four games due to injury uh, during the regular season. In the playoffs, uh, in those two games, he had 124 snaps and only allowed one sack. So definitely improvement as the season went along. In the second round, uh, at pick 43, I think at some sometimes during this draft, we stuck with the position, just changed the player. And in this pick, or for this pick, it was that exact case. Uh, second round, pick 43, was wide receiver George Pickens out of Georgia, that original pick being wide receiver Wondell Robinson out of Kentucky. Pickens, if you're looking, was probably one of the best wide receivers out of this draft class. Now looking back, in week three against the Cleveland Browns, I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of people remember this. Not everyone listening remembers this or watching. He had that one-handed catch fully extended uh, to the side in the air. Some people calling it the catch of the year. He finished the season. 12 games started with 52 catches, 801 yards, and four touchdowns. Again, not saying Juan Bell Robinson was bad. He had injuries. It ended his um, season way earlier, his rookie season way earlier than we hoped for. Uh, and we hope that he does bounce back in this next season, being probably slotted that wide receiver number two for the New York Giants. Uh, looking to go out there and play super well. So we hope the best for Wondell Robinson. But just in this redraft, we have George Pickens at pick 43. Moving to the beginning of the third round here at pick 67, uh, we had Josh Zudu, obviously, in the real 2022 NFL draft. And we're going to stick on the offensive line, but a different player and a different position at the tackle spot. Uh, Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. He played in 16 games this past season with the Colts, uh, 11 starts. 709 total snaps. He had nine penalties, seven sacks allowed, which was the same as Evan Neal, but had a significantly better 73.3 PFF grade. When we played against the Colts, I thought he was actually pretty solid um, in that Week 17 clash, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, just seeing him here and there, I thought he looked pretty solid out of some of those round three tackles. There was also Nicholas petit Fryer. There was Abraham Lucas, who we were very close to putting on this list as well. It was kind of between him and Raymond, but uh, we ended up going with Raymond out of Central Michigan at pick 67. And although it's not the same as it used to be, Alex, I mean, that Colts offensive line adding Raymond uh, in the past draft just completely still boosts that O-line. Again, not the same as it was in like 2020, uh, but again, still would consider them a top five O-line in the NFL. Now moving on to round three, pick 81. Again, stayed with the position. Switch players. This time, it's cornerback Marcus Jones out of Houston. The original pick was Cordell Fott out of LSU. Jones, who's with the Patriots, was named to the first-team All-Pro as a punt returner by the Associated Press. He was also the NFL punt return yards leader this past season. Uh, got elected to the Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie team. In the four games he started, he had two interceptions, seven pass deflections, one fumble, 39 tackles, and two tackles for loss. So... A lot of his uh, success this past season was more on the special team side as a punt returner than it was as a cornerback, but he did still play the position as cornerback, whereas Cordell Flott, I don't know if it was an injury-written season for him. I can't really remember, but I could definitely tell you this. He didn't do much for the New York Giants, so we felt like this guy, Jones, Marcus Jones, did a little bit more, and that's why we had him. At had a huge play in the Vikings yeah. game, though, on that last play um, where he made that big stop, so... You know, Cordell Flott definitely improved throughout the season. It was tough to pass him over, but Marcus Jones was crazy for the Patriots this past season, so kind of had to go with him there. Uh, round four, pick 112. We're sticking with our own with Daniel Bellinger. Um, he played 12 games during the season, had that terrible eye injury, uh, 11 starts, 61.3 PFF grade. 
He had 30 receptions, 269 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he had three receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown with a 56.2 PFF grade. Bellinger came up big in big moments on key third downs, key fourth downs, key red zone drives. Um, and I think, you know, the sky's the limit for him still, uh, even though he is now behind Darren Waller in that tight end depth chart. But Darren Waller, he's a freak of nature. Um, you know, Daniel, Daniel Bellinger is still going to get his snaps, um, you know, maybe in a more conservative role uh, than he had last season. Yeah, this is really funny. I was talking about uh, Daniel Bellinger yesterday, actually, with my dad. He was like, I w- I've been rewatching like early Giants games from the beginning part of the season. And Daniel Bellinger did pretty good, like had a couple touchdowns earlier in the season. Um, and yeah, he's right. Daniel Bellinger used more as a blocking tight end. And like Alex, we said with Saquon Barkley in the contract, the Giants ran the ball a lot last season. So we, he was used a lot to block. And as uh, right now the second tight end in sets behind Darren Waller this next season, I think we're going to see a lot more blocking from uh, Daniel Bellinger. And that's something like against him when it comes to his route running. It's just that Darren Waller's route running is a little bit more crisp uh, than Bellinger. So I'm sure if they're in two tight end sets and they're both like on the right side of the O-line, Darren Waller is going to be running the route while Bellinger will drop back maybe and help block. Just an idea there. Anyway. Moving on now to round four, pick 114, Edge. Michael Clemens was our selection out of Texas A&M. The original pick was safety, Dame Belton out of Iowa, which, again, Belton did his job when he needed to, stepped in for the injured Xavier McKinney uh, after that hand injury. Uh, In his time, though, Clemens this past season had two and a half sacks, 36 tackles, four tackles for loss, and six QB hits, which just, uh, his stats-wise, was better um, than Belton. And, Let's just say Bellin did have his struggles from time to time, which, you know, it's understandable. He's a rookie. He'll develop and uh, hopefully do better this year as the backup. I want to say he's the backup strong safety heading into this season. Yeah. I mean, Clem- or free safety. Clemens is a athletic beast. He's an athletic monster. There's a ton of upside there. Saw a little bit of production on the Jets, uh, and I, I like that pick there. Um, round five, pick 146. We were kind of stuck because the Giants picked the pick right after at 147. Uh, so we had no choice um, but to stick with Micah McFadden. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. He played in all 17 games during the regular season with seven starts at inside linebacker. Had only, had a pretty poor 38.7 PFF grade. He had 35 solo tackles, 50 total, uh, two sacks, six tackles for loss, and one forced fumble. Um, definitely had his shining moments, though, um, but certainly has lots of room to improve. But that's where you're kind of looking at here with a fifth-round pick. You're not looking at, uh, you know, defensive rookie of the year candidates, unless, of course, you are looking at our next individual at pick 147. What a diamond in the rough here, Alex. At round five, pick 147, cornerback Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. The original pick was uh, DJ Davidson, the defensive tackle. Woolen, I mean, it was an easy selection here. A pro bowler finishes rookie season with a six, uh, with a total of six interceptions, which was tied for most in the league. He became the only rookie over the last 10 years to record an interception in at least four consecutive games, was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week in Week 6, was named to the uh, Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team, and like I said, he earned Pro Bowl honors. Started all 17 games. Six interceptions, 16 pass deflected, three fumble recoveries, 63 tackles, and one tackle for loss. We were looking at the list. We had a lot of people to choose from, almost over 30 people, I think, uh, over 30 guys. And we saw Woolen's name sticking out, and we're like, 
whoa, okay, there you go. That's a pick, and that's pretty easy selection there. So, Tariq Woolen, congratulations to, he's on the Bears, right? Seahawks. Seahawks. Congratulations to the Se- I don't know why I thought Bears. Uh, congratulations to the Seahawks for getting that pick in round five. I'm sure they're their office, their front office, is very happy about Always that. good at drafting late-round DBs. Obviously, Richard Sherman. Um, oh, my God, what's the safety's name? My Lord, I'm forgetting now. Um, I'll look it up in a minute, but uh, I'm blanking. Anyway. Older, like... like a Legion of Boom. And Richard... Uh, where? Oh, Camp my Chancellor. God. There you go. There's a name. Like, a whole bunch of those guys. Late-round DBs always have been good in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Um, round five, pick 173 now. Edge Kingsley Engabare, I believe it's pronounced, out of South Carolina, now on the Packers. Um, he played all 17 games with seven starts, a 61.4 PFF grade. He had 31 total tackles, five tackles for loss, um, eight QB hits, and three sacks. Remember him coming out of the draft, had a pretty strong senior bowl. Um, I somehow remember that. And, um, you know, definitely had a productive season with the Bears and with a bigger role now. Uh, as the Bears are kind of going into rebuild mode after Aaron Rodgers' departure, I think he could uh, certainly step it up and become a really productive edge rusher, maybe a number two, number three guy in the NFL. Uh, and that's really what you're looking for in the end of the fifth round. And then finally, round six, pick 182, linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State. Original pick was linebacker Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. Uh, Rodrigo, I think it's his nickname. He's on the Lions. Uh, was kind of a star feature in Hard Knocks uh, that or last summer. As a rookie, he appeared in 16 games, started 15 of them, finished with one sack, 87 total tackles, two passes uh, defended, and one forced fumble. He was also a member named to the PFWA uh, All Rookie Team, Pro Football Writers Association. There was like three or four guys on this list that were a part of that. And that does it for our redraft. Uh, let's go real quick and go through all the picks. So round one, pick five, defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Round one, pick seven, I'll have to tackle Evan Neal of Alabama. Out Alabama. Round two, pick 43, wide receiver George Pickens out of Georgia. Round three, pick 67, I'll have to tackle Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. Round three, pick 81, cornerback Marcus Jones out of Houston. Round four, pick one, tw- uh, 112, tight end Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. Round four, pick 114, edge Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M. Round five, pick 146, linebacker Micah McFadden out of Indiana. Round five, pick 147, cornerback ty- uh, Tariq uh, Wollen out of UTSA. And round five, pick 173, edge Kingsley Barry out of South Carolina. And round six, pick 182, linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State. This is a really good exercise to do during the offseason. It's kind fun, of, for sure, yeah. It's it's a fun exercise. You know, you kind of clear your mind, but it's also exciting and engaging to see where these guys are picked and where they've gone uh, since their rookie season. And then it's also like you remember your draft research that you did, and you're like, oh, I remember that guy, or oh, I remember that. You know, you, you yeah. look to see how they did because there so, there's so many prospects, you know, in the draft. So you kind of forget some of them and to remember their names, remember their faces and just like, I remember this guy coming out. Let's see how we did in the NFL. And you look back at their stats, see if they did good or bad, Um, because there's a lot of people to remember and you kind of forget like what teams they were drafted to, et cetera. So shout out. uh, I enjoy Shout out David Ajabo. Obviously didn't even get a chance uh, to play his rookie season, had that ACL before even the draft. So I'm really excited to see him this year. I remember him. He was one of those guys I was really into from that draft class. There you go. 
So um, with that being said, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our 2022 redraft. All right, so we thank you so much for listening. We haven't done this outro in a little bit, so bear with me. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. We'll be back here whenever Saquon Barkley decides to put pen to paper, hopefully crossing our fingers, will be Monday, if not sooner. Which is going to probably happen right when we're done editing this episode. <laughs> Imagine. Saquon Barkley signs deal early on Thursday afternoon. Um, yeah, no, I-, I hope he puts pen to paper on Monday so we so we have it and we know and it's right around the deadline when we're planning on recording. Uh, but yeah, that's when you'll hear us. It'll be the Saquon Barkley reaction to see what he does uh, with his decision. For now, though, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. We're going to have that summer content. We're going to have that training camp content. So you're going to want to be on those social medias on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, the Giant Take. You'll find us on there. That's going to be really important because we do updates daily, especially on the YouTube channel as well. The Giant Take Podcast YouTube channel. We have uh, every day. Um, recaps of the day and how training camp went and then on twitter and instagram is the live updates we're gonna you know we already select we got our tickets we selected our days we're gonna be going to three or four days of training camp last year we got some national attention when the fight broke out and uh that was us you know we got there first and it was posted on our on our social media channel so make sure to go and follow us on there for the live updates during the time at training camp we're gonna be at the first two and then a, a few more around those dates. So, yep. And we're hoping to see people there and say hi. Yes. Yes. That's all. Allie goes, okay, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Uh, it's been nice being back here after a, I guess, pretty long break by our standards. Maybe the longest break we've ever taken. Um, and Probably. I guess we're, we're back now, ready to roll, ready to rumble. And uh, we'll see you after this whole Saquon Barkley situation is finalized. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.